When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The most important takeaway, I think, is that there isn't one solution. If you have something like writer's block, there are so many different strategies to try and some will work for you and some won't. And you should just be open and and most importantly, talk to people. Don't stay tangled up in your own head. I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. Today, we have a special guest joining us, acclaimed author, Barbara D. Barbara is the author of 13 middle grade novels published by Simon & Schuster, including Haven Jacobs Saves the Planet, Violets Are Blue, My Life in the Fish Tank, Maybe He Just Likes You, Everything I Know About You, Halfway Normal, and Starcrossed. Her books have earned several starred reviews and have been named to many state and national book award lists, including the Washington Post's Best Children's Books, the ALA Notable Children's Books, the ALA Rise, a feminist book project list, the ALA Rainbow List Top 10, the NCSS CBC Notable Social Studies Trade Books for Young People, the Bank Street Best Children's Books, and Project Lit. Barbara is one of the founders of the Chappaqua Children's Book Festival. She lives with her family, their sweet rescue dog Ripley, and naughty cat Luna in Westchester County, New York. Now, before I share our conversation, here's the synopsis for her latest wonderful novel, Unstuck. Critically acclaimed author Barbara D comes a middle grade novel about a girl who struggles with anxiety and writer's block set off unexpected twists and turns both on and off the page. Lila is thrilled when her seventh grade English language arts class begins a daily creative writing project. For the past year, she's been writing a brilliant fantasy novel in her head. Lila is thrilled when her 7th grade English language arts class begins a daily creative writing project. For the past year, she's been writing a brilliant fantasy novel in her head, and here's her chance to get it on paper. The plot to Lila's novel is super complicated, with battle scenes and witches and a mysterious one-toed beast, but at its core, it's about an overlooked girl who has to rescue her beautiful, highly accomplished older sister. 
but writing a fantasy novel turns out to be harder than simply imagining one. And pretty soon, Lila finds herself stuck, experiencing a panic she realizes is writer's block. Part of the problem is that she's trying to impress certain people, like Rania, her best friend who's pulling away, and Ms. Bowman, the coolest teacher at school. Plus, there's the pressure of meeting the deadline for the town writing contest. A few years ago, Lila's superstar teen sister Dahlia came in second. And this time, Lila is determined to win first prize. Finally, Lila confides about her writing problems to Dahlia, who is dealing with her own academic stress as she applies to college. That's when she learns Dahlia's secret, which is causing a very different type of writer's block. Can Lila rescue a surprisingly vulnerable big sister, both on the page and in real life? Hello, Barbara. Welcome to the Growing Readers podcast. Hi, it's great to be here. Oh my gosh, I have to say that your latest novel, Unstuck, has resonated deeply with me for a few reasons. One as a reader, another as a writer, but the other is as a parent, because I felt as though you must have been hiding out in my house this past <laughs> year. I have three kids, but your your book references some sisters and one is in middle school and one is a senior. And that's exactly what is going on in my house. Um, uh -oh. College applications <laughs> and all of that sort of stuff. We have just come out on the other side with some college acceptances. Oh, congratulations <laughs> to the whole family. Yeah, I know. But so <laughs> I just, relief. I mean, we're going to go deeper into the book in a minute, but I just had to say that I like, I mean, are you sure you weren't hiding in my house? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am the mom of three kids all of whom applied to college at various times. So I know how stressful it is, not just for the kid who's applying, but for the younger siblings as well. So that was one of the things that I, I explored in Unstuck. <laughs> because in Unstuck, the main character is writing a fantasy novel for her seventh grade ELA class, and she's experiencing a certain kind of writer's block. But her older sister, who is applying to college, is experiencing a different sort of writer's block as she's writing her college essay. So there are two kinds of writer's block that are going on in sort of a parallel way in the book. Oh my gosh, it's done so well. Well, we're going to dive into the heart of the story in a moment. I love to always, when I have someone on as a first time guest, I love to find out what it is that drives you and guides you in creating books for children in the first place. You know, I really like kids in this age group. I know sometimes people think, oh, middle schoolers are, are, you know, so evil and difficult, but I think they're fascinating. And I have a very strong sense of how I was when I was this age. I can dip into my 12-year-old self very easily, maybe a little bit too easily. <laughs> and and I noticed that a lot of the things that I felt when I was 12 are, are you know, kind of universal and even though kids these days are very different from how I was when I was 12, I didn't have internet, for example, I think a lot of the emotions are the same. So, you know, I don't use necessarily things from my past specific details, but I do tap into those emotional memories a lot. And I think, you know, kids can still relate to those things today. Well, in speaking of just writing and reading and kids books. Do you believe that somebody to write books needs to be a reader first? 
Absolutely. I mean, I was I was the kind of kid who whose face was always in a book. I was the kind of kid whose mom always said, stop reading, go outside and play. But my, my great love was books. And however, paradoxically, I think, you know, one of the reasons that the main character in Unstuck gets stuck is that she's a voracious reader and, and she reads a lot of fantasy novels and she feels as if you know, anything she writes has to be worthy of all the books that she's read. So sometimes kids who are, you know, the most voracious readers are the ones who feel sort of overwhelmed when they're sitting down to write something themselves. And that was that was one of the the conflicts that I was writing about in this book. I have to draw the parallel back to your main character as well as why I thought maybe you had been in my house is that my <laughs> middle schooler, I mean, she just loves to write. She writes and writes when we did online um, learning through the pandemic. It, you know, instead of participating in some of the other classes, she was just off in her world writing, writing stories. And I think by the time they went back to school and she was in fourth grade, there was an age in the classroom helping and she she took my daughter's writing to the teacher and um, basically said I think she's plagiarized this oh. like it's like <laughs> like this I don't think this is this can be a fourth graders writing because oh, not only no. like she just loves to write and she's a good writer but it was just so long and there was so much of it that they just didn't believe it came from a fourth grader and so that's another reason why I thought maybe you had been hiding in my house <laughs> some kids just have to write they just yeah. they just you know, they're very much in their heads. Their their imaginations are you know, very developed. And sometimes those kids have a difficult time getting their imaginations on paper. That's what happens in Unstuck. But other kids can just do it and they just can't stop. We need to honor both of those kids, the, the ones who are the great readers and the ones who are the great writers. And, you know, sometimes it's the same kids and sometimes it isn't. <laughs> Well, let's let's really dig into Unstuck. Let's start with that classic question. Where did the idea for this story come from? Well, you know, I I do a lot of school visits and every time I do a school visit, one kid, at least one kid will raise his or her hand and ask, how do you deal with writer's block? So I was starting to realize that this was something that a lot of kids were thinking about. And I was also getting a lot of emails from kids saying, I am writing a book that's going to be, you know, a series. Um, <laughs> and I'm stuck on page six. How do you get through that? Um, do you have any pointers for me? So I was starting to realize that that this was a topic that kids were really interested in. And the whole concept of writing anxiety also sort of dovetails with academic pressure in an interesting way. And all the pressures that kids feel, all the other ways that they get stuck, because they get stuck socially too. And so I like to write books about kids who are experiencing something emotionally and, and working through it and coming out the other side. And, and, you know, those are the inspirations for the book. What I love about it is, I mean, not all kids love to read nonfiction and you could have just as easily created a nonfiction book for, you know, the middle grade reader right. that was on becoming unstuck and writer's block and, and finding ideas and inspiration. Um, so the way that you've magically 
and sort of woven this into a fictional story, I think is genius because, you know, like I said, not everyone's going to pick up a nonfiction book, right. but here they're going to be appeased by the story and it's so relatable. They're going to feel seen in it and they're going to learn as well, but unknowingly. So this could have just as easily been a nonfiction book. I mean, there are so many tips hidden in this story about how to become, you know, unstuck and release from your uh, writer's block. So so tell me maybe about some of the struggles you had in creating a story that is so fictional and beautiful where readers maybe aren't even going to notice that they're learning on the way. Well, you know, I write what sometimes people call tough topics. I write about things like sexual harassment in middle school. My, my best known book is called Maybe He Just Likes You. I've written about um, addiction and mental illness and eating disorders. And I, I, I write about difficult topics, but the way that I do it is always by incorporating st uh, stories and plot lines about family, about friendships, about school, because I think that, you know, no kid's life is just about one thing. So when you incorporate these other elements, it becomes a more realistic story. It's more three-dimensional. It's richer. It's more fun for the kid because you can layer in humor. And so writing about writer's block for me, I was still incorporating all those other elements because I like a book that that has many different levels to it so that a kid who's reading it isn't just reading, you know, topic, topic, topic. It's 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 just more fun for the reader, I think. And it just it just makes a, a more authentic experience. Well, at its core, Unstuck is about Lila, who loves to read and write, like we've said, but she's stuck and she has writer's block. It's a story that also serves as an anecdote for how to write a story. And you've managed to just weave in really amazing themes, like you were just saying, of friendship, their sisterhood. And, and this part I loved is the importance of really getting to know someone, as in listening and paying attention to one another, as in, you know, do you know someone or do you really know someone? So I just found your ability to interwine these themes just absolutely masterful. Like you're so good Thank at you. it. <laughs> Thank you. So why don't we talk about how you see these themes connected to Lila's creative struggles in this story, Unstuck? Well, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned is is getting to know someone and one of one of the plots in Unstuck is that she sort of inherits this kid at school who's like the weird kid that everyone has decided is the weird kid and they've labeled her. And Lila's story that she's that she the fantasy story that she's trying to write is about how kids get labeled. You know, her in the fantasy story, some kids get assigned scribe and other kids get assigned vanguard and the main character's sister gets assigned vanguard and the scribe younger sister has to save the vanguard. But it's in the store in the fantasy story that she's writing, she's working out how these labels are are sort of randomly assigned and unfair. And that that really is what's happening socially in her middle school in real life. And the more that Lila gets to know this girl journey, the more she realizes that she's the true friend, not not the friend that that Lila is drifting away from, um, the former best friend. But Journey brings a lot to the table and 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 is a great listener and gives her writing great feedback and is loyal. 
and is there for her emotionally when she needs her. So, you know, in real life, Lila has to get past her preconceptions about this weird girl. And she also admires the way that this weird girl journey has a real affinity for animals and and collects animals and, and un- understands them intuitively. And she thinks how, you know, when you're creating a story, that's how that's what you're trying to do too. You're trying to get inside a character's head, just like Journey is trying to get inside the head and the way of thinking of, of her animals. So, you know, there <laughs> there's a lot going on there, but I write about this a lot in, in my books, the way that Kids at this age can be very judgmental. Middle schoolers can be very judgmental of their classmates. And, you know, a lot of the plots in in a very sort of macro way are about getting over those preconceptions and learning not to be so judgmental. I mean, I'm right in the thick of the whole middle school for the second time right now. And I mean, I found the way you write your characters I mean, you said you grew up in a stage where you didn't have internet, but yet the way you write these characters is that you really do understand and you really do know. And I do believe that the middle schoolers that read this book are going to really feel seen in this and it's going to help them piece a few things together with their own friendships. Um, A lot of times, uh, like what happens to the characters in your school is when they leave their elementary school and they go to their middle school based on their zip code or like even, you know, one block over friends get diverted to different middle schools. Right. And you're in this spot where your best friends over here and you're over there and they're making new friends. And, you know, so I just think that the way you have written this and I'm, I mean, I mean, it's probably say this word 10 times today is just it's just so it's so relatable. I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing a highlight from the story or a favorite quote? Oh, um, (laughs) um, at one point, um, Lila goes to the library as a sort of retreat. Her teacher encourages her to change locations when she's struggling with her writing in the classroom. And she goes to the library and she picks up a book and she says something to the effect of, and I don't have it right in front of me, that reading is a kind of disappearing and writing is a kind of appearing. And then she says, what if I'm better at disappearing? <laughs> so, you know, I think about that a lot, how, you know, when you're reading, you can sort of disappear into the pages and that's a really healthy thing. But at a certain point when you're writing, you're sort of coming up to the surface and you have to share yourself. Another quote from the book, the most important piece of advice I think that her teacher gives her is write your feelings. And that really connects with with Lila. Miss Bowman suggests other things too that really don't work, other strategies that don't really work. But when she tells her, write your feelings, it's like a light bulb goes off in, in Lila's head and, and and she's able to put herself in the position of her character and words start to come. So write your feelings would also be something I would want kids to come away with. I love that. I actually have a little author presentation that I do myself about where do my ideas come from, which in a sense is where do your ideas come from is is helping you become unstuck in your process. And right. I talk a lot about like your senses and and emotions. And when you tap into those, and even if you're writing a story about 
you know, your favorite pet, you know, or just tapping into an emotion that you understand and giving that trait to the character is such a helpful tool for them to to be like, oh, uh-huh. And, and you know, one of the things I was thinking about Lila was that her, one of her problems was that she was writing from her head and not from her heart. And once she starts writing from her heart, things just open up for her. All right, you're so clever, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> so one of my favorite things about this story is uh, how you have woven in all the incredible books that Lila reads herself. You know, it's like you're surreptitiously giving readers tips on what they could read <laughs> next. And I mean, that just makes my book heart is just happy. So I have to imagine that was deliberate that you yes. were you were planting those seeds. Well, I used to be an English teacher a million years ago. I was a high school English teacher. So I'm always trying to um, get kids reading other books. Um, <laughs> I wrote my book Starcrossed as as a way of, of um, trying to get kids to read Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> so I'm still trying to do that stuff. But you know, the funny thing about the books that I recommend in um, Unstuck, I write realistic fiction, and I don't naturally gravitate toward fantasy novels. It's not the they're not the first books that I would pick up or or you know choose when I go to the library. So to do the research for this book, I had to read a whole bunch of fantasy novels that I wouldn't have read otherwise, and I loved them. I had the best time. <laughs> that was my research for the book. So I used some of the titles that were my favorites because I needed to read the books that Lila would have read. And then that she was thinking about almost too much. And she even tells herself at one point, you know, I know that I'm in seventh grade. I'm not competing with Rick Reardon and I'm, you know, Kelly Barnhill. I'm not, nobody expects me to be producing, you know, Lord of the Rings, but still I want to, I want to write something really good. <laughs> it's just the, 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 the book list there. I don't know if you have that online on your website or anything like that, but I, if you do, you have it on there? <laughs> no, but I should, right? <laughs> yeah. You should have a little like downloadable PDF, uh, you know, <laughs> lead with unstuck for the your realistic fish, fiction. And then here's your fantasy list. I mean, it was <laughs> such a great a, idea. <laughs> it was such a great book list. Also, we want people to read the book to go find out what, which, what are your book suggestions too? Right. So it's like, what do we want to make it that easy? I don't know. <laughs> I also, I, I have to read a paragraph that from my perspective as a book reviewer, just made me laugh out loud. Okay, so I have an advanced reader copy, but I'm it's on page 136, which is the chapter titled Sides. lunch, Journey is picking at her veggie wrap. At first, I don't notice that she isn't eating, because I'm still thinking about ELA, especially the free riding I just did. I mean, I have to admit, it felt good when Ms. Bowman gave me a thumbs up. But of course, the thumbs up was just for moving my pen. And when you read a book, you never say to yourself, well, this book sucked. But look at all the typing that author did. Woohoo for word buffing. <laughs> I just, that's what I, when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, if I ever wrote a review and said, woohoo, well done for word buffing, it was genius. You know, I have to tell you, um, on Facebook, you know, there are those memories. So you get, 
um, a list of, of previous um, posts that you made um, in, in years past. And the one that came up for today was from a girl who identified herself as 12 going on 13, who said that when she stuck, this was from two year, three years ago, um, she wrote to me and she said, what do you do when you're stuck? I, I do something I called word vomit. And I just write everything really fast and I don't care about, you know, punctuation or spelling or, or characters appearing and disappearing and huge plot holes. I just barf it all out on the page. And I used that. I remembered that and I used that. It's a disgusting <laughs> expression, but it's so apt, isn't it? It, it, it really is. <laughs> I love that, that that you had remembered that and you put yes. that in the book and that it just happened to be your memory today as well. That's it was. so fun. <laughs> it's funny how that turns out. I was recently um, interviewing with Kate DiCamillo and she, there was a, an article that had been written about her slippers that she wears. So I asked her, what are these like amazing slippers? So she went and, sh- and got them and it turned out they were the exact slippers as I was wearing on my feet. (laughs) So I love little moments like that. (laughs) That's amazing to be in Kate Camillo's shoes. I know. I I mean, I mean, literally, that would be amazing. (laughs) So uh, let's take a second right now to give a shout out to Erica Parillo's uh, fantastic jacket illustration. I mean, it it's just captures the eye. Uh, I mean, immediately, I think when I first received an email about Unstuck and I just like your cover, I think stole my eyes from even finishing the email to start with. I like I was reading it and then I my eyes just jumped to that beautiful cover. And then I, you know, obviously went back and read it. I'm like, yes, we have to have Barbara on the show about this book. But t- talk to me what you think about the cover. I love this cover. I think it's gorgeous. And this artist, Erica Pajarillo, is the same artist as the one who did my covers for Maybe He Just Likes You, Violets Are Blue, and um, Haven Jacob Saves the Planet. And I love all of them. They're just spectacular. She does a beautiful job. I think I was on your website yesterday and all of those covers just lined up together. Um, looked so, so good. I just, I guess like that modern element to them, but somehow also classy and classic at the same time. I don't know how she does that. And they're emotional. They're, they're all emotional. I mean, I, I, I see the, the cover of Unstuck just draws you into the character's thought process. Yeah. You know, and the cover for Maybe He Just Likes You is just so dramatic and confrontational, you know. And, and yeah, I, I I think she has an, an uncanny ability to, to do something beautiful, but also emotional and evocative of the story. When it comes to a middle grade novel, I mean, yours has a, a little bit of pretty spot art throughout, too, which is lovely. Mm, yes. Um, but you really only have that cover to appeal to somebody who's perhaps more visual in terms of, you know, what they gravitate towards when they're they're picking up a book. And I think I think you nailed it when you said that um, they're emotional. You, when you see the, you know, Lila's uh, profile on that cover and, and you wonder what is she thinking about exactly. and, and you want to know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to ask this question. Do you ever get stuck and have writer's block, Barbara? And if so, what do you do to become unstuck? Well, the only time I, I had writer's block for any extended period of time was when I was writing my second book, Solving Zoe, because 
you know, my first book had done pretty well. And I thought, okay, well, my second book has to do even better. And I thought one way to make it better was to do all of this research. And I spent a lot of time researching various esoteric topics. And then I thought, well, you know, the more I research, the more I need to research. <laughs> and by the time I was ready to write, I just felt so burdened by all that research. And and I felt sort of like an imposter, like, like I wasn't really a writer. And then the way that I got through that was by using that feeling as the main character's feeling. So again, I was writing my feelings. And that was how I broke through that bit of writer's block. I haven't had a bout of writer's block as as serious as that for a very, very long time. But I certainly have days when I'm not productive. And one of the things I like to tell kids is that sometimes when you have a day when all you've produced is a negative word count, you know, a day when all you've spent doing nothing but deleting, that's actually productive. That's that's actually the opposite of an unproductive day because you you're refining your writing by by taking things out. So you shouldn't worry about word count. When I am stuck now, when I have, you know, days when even the the deleting isn't really happening, one of the things I like to do is read screenplays and scripts of my favorite TV shows and movies because I'm sure you've noticed a lot of my books are about dialogue. I like to write how kids talk. And when I read screenplays, it sort of reminds me about how characters speak. When I read good screenplays, I can hear those voices, especially if it's a movie or a TV show that I know really well. I, I can hear the char- the actor's voice and I could see it on the page. And it just sort of resets my brain. So that's one of my little tricks. Yeah. <laughs> do you, when when it comes to writing dialogue, do you have any any tips for just adding dialogue? I mean, obviously, I do a lot of reading, and I think some people do dialogue really well, and others, you know, maybe struggle with it a little bit. So, do you have any great tips for when you are writing dialogue and how to really stay in a character's voice? And obviously, when you're an adult writing for children, I think sometimes this is where I notice that you you're like, no, this dialogue feels more like an adult's voice. So, exactly, like, what are your yeah. tips? Well, I think, you you know, you just hit it right on the head. Kids need to sound like kids and grownups need to sound like grownups. And not every grownup sounds the same. Teachers, for example, sound different from parents. Grandparents sound different from parents. And, and kids need to sound like their age. So, you know, an older sibling needs to sound like a teen. A younger sibling needs to sound younger. So not all kids sound the same. Friends talk differently to each other um, than they talk to adults. So if you have a if you have a scene where kids are sitting around the lunch table and bantering, that's one kind of kid speak. But another kind of kid speak is when the kid has to say why she doesn't have her homework assignment for her teacher. So you need to have different levels of speech, many different levels of speech in your in your book. And that, you know, that's one way that it will sound authentic. I would love to know if there's anything about Unstuck that maybe we haven't really touched on that you would really like listeners to know about. Is there anything that you want to add about Unstuck, the characters, the plot? Well, um, 
Unstuck has my favorite teacher character that I've ever written, Miss Bowman. I think she's really cool. And I love the way that she supports Lila in a very unintrusive way. Like she and she's always she's she's very open minded. She's always coming up with new approaches, but she doesn't crowd Lila. And she makes it clear that she that she's interested in Lila, not just as a writer, but as a person. And she understands that what Lila is going through as a person is not unrelated to what she's going through as a writer. Um, but she doesn't demand that that Lila open up to her. She she just she gets her to eventually. And I just wanted to say that. There are, you know, lots of different, lots of different advice is given to um, Lila throughout the book, much of it by Miss Bowman. And it's collected in the back of the book. There's a section in the back of the book called 25 Ways to Get Unstuck. We were talking before about how this is not nonfiction, but for those people who want a list of 25 things you can do when you get on, when you get stuck, you can flip to the back of the book. <laughs> yeah, I, de- I definitely am going to keep that page bookmarked for myself. I loved <laughs> I loved all those little tips. <laughs> um, actually, you just touched on something that I would I would love to do. So you talked about just a second ago with the dialogue and how you know there isn't just one way that somebody communicates and talks and from you know just because you're the same age you're not going to communicate the same way and even the same person is going to converse differently with their friends versus their teacher and their parents well in terms of character development i think you just highlighted something for me that i think i noticed but just it really uh came to the forefront of my mind as you were saying that miss bowman really gave lila the space she would give her feedback but she wasn't kind of cramming it and 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 enforcing that this is what she she must do. It was just here's some advice, and she gave her the space to figure out what worked for her. Now we haven't really touched on Dahlia, the oldest sister, a whole lot in this conversation, um, because I feel like this would be just. I mean, we'd be talking for another hour, which I would be so happy to do. Um, so, but but Dahlia's struggle struggling with writing her essay, and the people that are offering her advice are her parents, and they are not giving. Dahlia the same amount of space that exactly. Lila is receiving. And so that contrast is actually really, really great to see on, you know, parents always want the best for their kids, but sometimes we just don't allow our kids the space to figure it out for themselves too. We're like, here's the advice. Now show me that you're going to do it. Do it now. Um, so I love that that is in the story. And and the parents are, are good parents. They're mm-hmm. they're incredibly good parents <laughs> in a lot of ways. And when they finally understand what, what Dahlia is going through, they couldn't possibly be more supportive. But they get at, at first they are in the mindset that, oh God, I know I was in as as the parent, especially of my oldest kid when he was applying to college. You're so frantic. You want the kid to to you know, do themselves justice, to make those deadlines, to get into the college of their choice. It seems like it's the most important thing in the child's life up to that point. And you you kind of lose perspective. And some kids, especially a kid like Dahlia, who's, you know, a very intense kid who's always identified herself as a superstar student, some kids crash and burn in their senior years in high school. I You know, I've seen that happened a little bit too often. And I hadn't read a book about a younger sibling's perspective on that, which is one of the reasons I wanted to write this book. Because when the oldest kid goes through something traumatic and important like 
applying to college, the whole family goes through it, including the younger siblings who are taking notes, by the way. Absolutely. I'm afraid of the notes my daughter has taken over this past year. And to circle back to what I said again, I mean, anyone listening, I mean, Barbara absolutely nailed this. I lived this experience. I'm so sorry. <laughs> your book is your book was, I mean, it was so great. And uh, I can't wait to have a physical copy that pop right on my daughter's uh, nightstand, my middle schooler, because she's going to love it. She's going to feel so seen. Um, well, I would love to know what's the most important takeaway that you would love the growing readers, listeners to gain from our conversation today? Oh, um, you know, the the most important takeaway, I think, is that there isn't one solution. If you have something like writer's block, there are so many different strategies to try and some will work for you and some won't. And you should just be open and and most importantly, talk to people. Don't stay tangled up in your own head. You know, figure out who you can talk to, listen to feedback, and be open to trying different sorts of solutions. Barbara, I used the word masterful before, and I'm going to stick with that one today. You're a masterful <laughs> storyteller. Thank you Unstuck, so much. or you're welcome. Unstuck validates the things children care about and worry about, and it will certainly spark many meaningful conversations with young readers and writers and a few older ones like me. So <laughs> Lila's journey mirrors the importance of understanding and listening to one another which are vital elements in both creative writing and also personal relationships. So thank you for writing this book and thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. Barbara invites you to visit her at barbaradbooks.com. Be sure to check out our show notes to order a copy of Unstuck. And remember, if you love listening to the Growing Readers podcast, you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you enjoy listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our book chats, please leave us a review and while you're at it, grab your phone and text a friend you know who would love to listen to this episode. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of the Children's Book Review. To find more books just like Barbara D's Unstuck, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com.